This podcast is brought to you by CRPS Warriors Foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seat. The show is about to start. Hey guys, what's up? This is Phoebe from the Mike and Phoebe show. Mike is uh, taking a little break today, so it's just me. Welcome to episode 14 of the Mike and Phoebe show. In today's episode of CRPS Warriors Foundation series, we're really happy to have Geraldine Lee join us from the law offices of Geraldine Lee. Hi, Geraldine. Hi, Phoebe. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. Yes, we're so excited to have you on today's episode. Now, um, do you want to give me a brief background of your legal experience um, involving CRPS? Okay, well, I've been an attorney for 29 years in California, and my practice focuses on personal injury and workers' compensation. Um, And so while I've been involved in these two areas of law, um, I have come across a lot of clients that suffer from CRPS, and actually more recently than 10 years ago. Um, so you want me to just tell you my first experience with uh, a CRPS case? Yeah, if you don't mind, go ahead into it. Yes. Okay. Um, so probably about 15 years ago, um, I had a person call me and say that she had a workers' comp case and she had an attorney, but the attorney wasn't listening to her, um, because she still had this insane, uncontrollable pain that is like per, like pouring Tabasco on an open deep cut mm. and uh, and her attorney didn't understand it wanted her to take $15,000 to settle her case and she the attorney told my potential client uh, this ain't the lotto honey get back to work oh okay because at the time yeah it was horrible at the time um, she was suffering from CRPS um, as a result of a broken ankle, and it was only, and I say only very lightly, um, to the lower extremity, okay? And so that's why the attorney says, well, not the lotto, get back to work. And at that time, I didn't know anything about CRPS. Um, I knew about fibromyalgia, which is a neurological pain condition. I knew about RSD, uh, which was also a pain condition, um, but not much about CRPS. And so she started to tell me about it. And I said, wow, that sounds really debilitating. And I usually don't take cases that other attorneys have worked on because I don't know how they've messed it up, right? I, you know, slice fish and, you know, cut chicken in a different way, right? And I don't know if this attorney has done it in a way that I can't repair, but I took a chance on the case and um, we, I took the deposition of an old school orthopedist who refused to recognize all the signs, okay, which are the objective medical signs and refused to listen to her complaints of the symptoms. And those are subjective. And he just flat out blindly ignored the CRPS and says she has a broken ankle and gave her very, very little bit of disability. So I took his deposition and I drew his attention to all the different signs. I drew his attention to all of her complaints, her subjective complaints. And after that, I said, doctor, don't all those signs and symptoms lead you to have to find a diagnosis for CRPS? And he looked me in the eyes and he said, if you put it that way, yes. Wow. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not the doctor. You are right. I'm only an attorney. (laughs) So it was, you know, and that was the turning point to her case. And she just started to cry. She says, finally, you know, someone is understanding what I'm going through. And she had been seeing some doctors um, for her case. Uh, outside of this orthopedist. And, um, you know, we were able to bring in CRPS as an accepted condition in her workers' comp case. And we ended up settling that case 
for well over a million dollars only because, yeah, we had to add in all the accommodations. Okay. Um, You know, I, I, I don't know if your listeners have already listened to the first podcast, which was with Deb Jankowski about what CRPS is, but it is very debilitating. And some people that have it um, are in walkers or are in crutches or are using wheelchairs to get around. And when you have a wheelchair, you can't get up um, the steps to your house. Even if it's a single story house, there's going to be a step somewhere to get in, maybe a threshold. So a ramp needs to be built. Um, if they're you know, permanently using a wheelchair, they might need to have a different type of vehicle. And if it's a result of a work-related injury, then the employer has to pay for it. Right. My goodness. That story is just so shocking to me. And, you know, I'm not a medical professional at all, but I've, you know, I've had my share of experiences too. And uh, when you say that about the doctors, you know, I, I kind of understand both sides, but then I don't, you know, because I could see why the doctors would be so quick to diagnose, misdiagnose something because they just want to get it done and over with but then they don't actually pay attention to the details, like what you had to bring up to him, you know, and you're right. (laughs) You weren't the doctor. He is. So he to see that. Yes. And, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, there aren't too many great doctors in the workers' compensation system. Um, Mm -hmm. In California, you know, if you have a work-related injury, you have to use the list of doctors that subscribe to that employer's insurance. So each employer will have, you know, their own work comp insurance and that work comp insurance will have a list of doctors that they accept. Okay. There are some employers that don't have a medical provider network, so you can treat with whomever. So um, someone who's injured is stuck using these limited doctors and some of them are, you know, are not trained or maybe just do not recognize CRPS. Right. And this is, you know, in 2023 with, you know, CRPS being around now, you know, or having been discovered and now is, you know, more widely recognized. But in 2023, there are still doctors that don't recognize or refuse to recognize in the workers' compensation field. And two weeks ago, I just took a deposition of another doctor who actually is a pain management doctor, okay, Mm. he's board certified in neurology and pain management and issued a report that was so sloppy, ignored all the medical records that states that my client has CRPS, just flat out ignored it. How do I know he ignored it? He put it in the report. He put in his medical review, I reviewed Dr. So-and-so's report. Dr. So-and-so says that applicant has CRPS. Next next record that he reviewed. I, re, I re, uh, reviewed this other doctor's report. That doctor said he has CRPS. Next record. I mean, pages and pages of record reviews by this doctor that all refer to CRPS diagnosis. And then in his conclusion, you would think that he would conclude that my client has CRPS, right? Because he conducted all these other tests and these tests all led to CRPS. No, he concluded he just has chronic pain. Now, there's a difference in the workers' comp definition of chronic pain and CRPS. So CRPS has a different type of rating, okay, for permanent disability. Chronic pain, you get like $1,000. It's a 3% rating, okay? It's nothing. So it makes a difference that the diagnosis is correct. You know, so 3%, I'm sorry, is about $2,600. But if you have CRPS and depending how badly it is, it could be, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it makes a difference. So do you think that, um, in your professional opinion, do you think the diagnosis of CRPS versus the diagnosis of chronic pain, they are limited in the workman's comp um field you know if they say you have the diagnosis in workman's comp then the route they have to go through another medical route more serious and severe or is it 
is it's less severe if they just call it chronic pain. You know, I, I don't know if I'm using the terminology right. No, now. <laughs> you, yeah, you're great. You're great. So, um, and, and the quick answer is yes. You know, of course, it, it, there's a lot of complications with, you know, using those two terms. But the quick answer is yes. So, you know, each of us, you know, those listening, even if you don't have CRPS, you're going to have some chronic pain, right? As we get older, you know, your back hurts, you wake mm-hmm. up, you're like, oh, this sucks, right? <laughs> well, at least I do. Maybe you're all yeah, a do. lot younger than I am. <laughs> no, we do too. So, right. You know, and, and, you know, I've got lower back pain and, you know, I would consider it chronic, you know, it's daily and, and the intensity is, is different. It goes from zero to tolerable, right. You know, and maybe we might have to take an over the counter Tylenol, right. Every mm-hmm. once in a while. But, um, and, and that's why a diagnosis of chronic pain is very low as far as permanent disability. It's not going to prevent us from working. I'm sitting in my office right now. You're doing a podcast right now, mm-hmm. right? But if the diagnosis is CRPS, then it does have a much higher permanent disability. And, you know, I can't give you a range because everyone's different and there isn't just a flat range for CRPS. It just depends. Are you, has it been one limb that's been affected? Is it all of your extremities? Is it now going to your internal organs? So, you know, it's way, way more than a 3% chronic pain permanent disability where we can also work. You just tolerate it. You work through it. Um, and you know, it does entail a lot more treatment. So treatment equals money, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to cost the insurance company a lot of money to treat someone with CRPS than it does with chronic pain. Chronic pain, over-the-counter Tylenol. Extra strength, you can get a bottle at Costco for what? You know, five bucks and it'll last you, you know, seven months. Um, But treatment, for CRPS is so expensive and the employer is obligated to provide medical treatment under the workers' compensation system for a condition that's accepted. Okay, so even if they didn't get CRPS right off the bat, and usually you don't, um, usually it's something that comes on from another type of trauma, um, usually to an extremity, so an ankle, and in a lot of the cases that I have, they, the CRPS stems from a broken ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one case that I have that was from a broken uh, shoulder. It was a clavicle area, and he ended up with CRPS um, all throughout his right dominant arm, and it was traveling across to his other arm. So treatment for it is really expensive. So, you know, the doctors that work in the system, you know, maybe there is a little bit of a reluctance to diagnose that. And not because the doctor is, you know, not, I don't don't want to throw doctors under the bus, but not for any other reason than maybe they think they might lose their opportunity to be on this medical provider list. Okay, remember, we were talking about the medical doctors that are on these lists. Mm -hmm. If they're too liberal in their findings, they might get kicked off of this list, right? Wow. So, yeah, so if the insurance companies start doing their audits and it shows that, you know, the particular doctors are saying, oh, yeah, this person is still temporarily totally disabled. This person still needs more treatment. This person needs you know, ketamine infusion, this person needs a spinal cord stimulator, you know, I mean, this all adds up. And if the bean counters over in the insurance company are saying, you know, wow, Dr. X is, you know, finding CRPS all the time and, you know, recommending all this, the type of treatment, and maybe we shouldn't have Dr. X on our list anymore. Okay. So, I don't know if that really happens. That Mm -hmm. is, you know, way behind the scenes that I never see. But Mm -hmm. it's very suspicious that a lot of our really good doctors end up off of this list. Wow. Or or several lists. You know, there's lots of lists. You know, that's that's really sad to hear because, you know, uh, from my perspective, layman's perspective, it seems like 
those doctors that are trying to do good and um, diagnosing and doing the appropriate paperwork, then, you know, yeah, they're going to get billed. They're going to have the insurance companies bill more because it's CRPS. But then, you know, that's really sad to see that um, in workman's comp situations that that happens a lot. Now, um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What about and, the. And, uh-huh. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. And, and may I also add that many of the really good doctors, they voluntarily leave the workers' compensation system oh. because they're so handcuffed in what they can do as a medical provider. Okay. They're doctors, they're, they're trained. Okay, they're they're educated and they're trained to do what? Treat patients. They don't care about authorizations and utilization review and they don't care about that. If they see a diagnosis, you know, or they they make a diagnosis, they want to treat their patient. So then what happens is this it's this delay. Okay, and then they have to ask, Mother, may I please get you know, in a ketamine infusion treatment for my client, the mother being the insurance company. Okay. And Mm -hmm. mother has to say yes or no. So the branch of that insurance company that makes these decisions is called utilization review. Mm -hmm. And these are doctors. Okay. And who knows if they're, you know, currently licensed, They, they all have a license number, but these are doctors that are in other states that have never seen my client. Right. They're only reading a report from yeah. a doctor that says, here's the diagnosis. This is the recommended treatment. Please authorize it. And that doc, that utilization review doctor, we call it UR, um, can say yes and say, or say no. Okay. And so the doctors that know what they're doing, that diagnose correctly, that want to immediately nip it in the bud and get treatment for these patients, they're getting letters that say, no, we're not going to let you practice medicine because we don't feel that you did enough to get to this point of what you're asking for. So the good doctors are like, screw it. I'm not going to have anybody second guess me when I see a very urgent situation where I need to get treatment for my client. And now I got to go through all these hoops. Uh, I'm out of here. So right. we're losing good doctors for that reason, too. Oh, my goodness. That is so, so sad to hear, you know, because it seems like they're trying to get around it. But, you know, just the bigger picture just won't allow them. And, you know, that's really sad. And um, talking about the workman's comps, do you want to tell me about the um, legal hurdles that you ran into with civil cases and workman's comp cases? Yeah. So we were just talking about um, the workers' comp issues you know, Mm -hmm. and getting treatment. And, you know, the whole system is quite flawed. And, you know, there are reforms that are, you know, always being legislated in order to protect and prevent fraud against the system. Mm -hmm. But it really does hurt those that are really severely injured. So I'm just going to take you through an example. Um, Like we were just talking about a doctor who sees a patient and says, oh, my gosh, this patient has CRPS. I've run the Budapest criteria on them. And, you know, they satisfy the different um, factors. And this person has CRPS. We need to get treatment for this person ASAP, right? Because if you don't, it ends up spreading. So now the doctor then puts in, okay, and this is a lot of paperwork, has to put in a request for authorization on a special form. And then that request for authorization gets sent over to the insurance company utilization review, right? And then the doctor has to wait five working days, okay? And then if it's complicated, then you are can ask for a little bit more time. But let's say five days later, you are says, non-certified okay then if it's not certified then we have to look at the reasons why now we have to either supplement or the doctor has to appeal so a doctor sees the patient on day one the doctor may not even have authorization on, on day 30 and that's if he gets authorization 
Now the doctor has to schedule the patient to come back. So now we're at day 60 from the first day that the doctor has diagnosed CRPS, right? Uh It's, yeah. And so every day is so crucial. And meanwhile, this person with the, you know, burning Tabasco pain on an open wound, for whatever reason, the wind can blow, you, you know, step on, you know, the carpet and there's something sharp and, you know, there goes the pain. Meanwhile, that person with pain cannot get any sort of treatment other than taking medication. And who wants to take medication? Yeah. Um, So that's on the workers' comp side. And just, you know, a lot lot of other issues, lots of delays. Um, You know, again, what I just talked about where a doctor refuses to diagnose CRPS, well, there's another 90-day delay because I got to set the doctor's deposition. And these doctors are very, very busy, and they're not going to be able to schedule their deposition for at least 90 days, okay? I've had some doctors wait for, you know, four or five months. Um, And then, yeah, so for four or five months, you know, where the example that I gave you for, you know, the doctor that I took um, his deposition a couple weeks ago, you know, his, it took him, I don't know, three, three months to schedule his deposition. And, um, you know, and now he's agreed to change his opinion. And now it's going to be another two months to get his supplemental report. So it's just full of delays. And you can see that with delays, it just hurts the injured worker and their, you know, treatment for CRPS. So no wonder it spreads. No wonder it gets worse, right? They don't get the immediate attention. But um, with civil cases, you know, it's, a little bit different than that. Um, with civil cases, you don't have to have a list of doctors you can treat with. Um, most of my um, civil clients will have, you know, their own health insurance that they can treat with, um, or they go through Medi-Cal, or I can get them a doctor on a lien. So um, those doctors then can treat them right away. They don't have those kinds of delays that the workers' comp injured worker has. Okay, in that system. So at least those patients um, and my clients will get the treatment a lot sooner and a lot quicker, but the problem is also cost, right? So, you know, uh, if a client is treating on a lean basis, which means they don't have to pay for it yet, we pay for it at the end. And, you know, we have a doctor that diagnoses um, the patient with CRPS. Well, now what? Now we've got to get the patient in to have ketamine and ketamine injections are really expensive. So the doctor has to hold off on billing until the end of the case. But the main hurdle with either civil or workers comp is that you can't see pain, right? Right. I can't see your pain. You Mm -hmm. can't see my pain and you can't see CRPS. Um, There are some signs, there are some, you know, visible signs, Um, the skin coloring changes. Um, If we're talking about uh, lower extremities, the feet and the ankles, the hair grows differently on the leg that has CRPS. Um, The toenails sometimes uh, are different. Um, There's swelling that's visible. So, you know, they you can see some of those signs, okay? And that's what the doctors will look at. Um, They do, you know, a sensory test where, you know, they have the patient close their eyes and, you know, they do something where they run it over both legs and, you know, one leg and another leg just to see if they can feel it Um, because the CRPS leg is going to be way more sensitive um, so there, there now are some tests and you don't, um, you don't get diagnosed with CRPS with just a yes on one of those factors and one of those tests. It has to be a certain number, okay, in this category and a certain number of positive findings in this category. So, you know, um, so in both of the types of areas of law that I practice, in trying those cases, it's difficult because my clients will look great, okay? 
They're not going to sit around and look like, you know, a drowned rat that hasn't woken up out of bed for, you know, five weeks and show up to court for their trial. Right. They're going to be dressed. They're going to be clean. They're, you know, going to walk up the steps and, you know, jurors or triers of fact, like judges, will look at them and say, well, you you look okay, you know, because you can't see pain. But if my client has an amputated leg, then you can see that, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one of the challenges as well. Wow. You know, uh, from my perspective, you know, common uh, society, I see in in, um, social media and things like that, the perception that people have is so distorted when it comes to workman's comp. You know, you see the funny little memes and stuff like that. Oh, you get hurt on the job, workman's comp. Oh, you know, you you banged up your toe, workman's comp. But then they don't think, you know, the back end of it, that it's so much more complicated. You you hurt your back at work. But, you know, yes, while you're, you know, you have to report it. But then there's other complications that if you report it and you take it to higher up, it is a workman's comp issue. It's so much more complicated than if you hurt yourself at home, you know, and it's such a negative, distorted perception that people think that, oh, it's just a free ride now. No, it's not. It's so much more suffering and pain and and delays, like you were saying, that people don't even realize. No, you're not going to get a huge payout tomorrow, you know, and that's that's where the distorted perception is. People don't see that. Phoebe, I so appreciate you bringing that up. And that is very, very true Um, until it happens to them. It's very sad, right? You know, so um, everyone can be judgy, right? And there are enough shows and exposés out there, you know, where certain people are being followed and they're on a video lifting luggage into the back of their car, but yet, you know, they've got a worker's comp case that says they can't lift more than, you know, a five pound bag of sugar. Yes. Unfortunately, those are the people that are committing fraud and they're making everyone else look bad. And I will tell you in the 29 years of practicing, I've only come across one fraudulent person, okay, whose case I took and I didn't know it was fraud. Okay. I didn't know he was making a fraudulent claim because he came into my office and he, you know, was in a back brace already. He told me how he fell. He told me, you know, how bad it was. And he went to the doctor right away. And it wasn't until I started um, doing my own investigation and, you know, we'd opened the case and we were doing some discovery that I found out that this guy had eight other cases in the last four years. So figure that out. That's like work, you know, one every six months and different employers. Right. And so he would, you know, work, get hurt, you know, open that case. You know, the doctor would tell him he can't work. So then he doesn't work. And once the doctor releases him to, you know, partial duty, then he goes and finds a different job. And so, you know, this was before we had a really great um, online system where you can check whether somebody has had prior cases, you know, or what other cases they've had and whether they've opened other cases. So now we have that ability. So, you know, I no longer need to take a case where, you know, the guy's even lying to me and I don't know it, you know, I can double check that. But it's unfortunate that um, there are the bad apples that poison all the other good apples out there. Um, and it it's not as glamorous as everyone who's judging an injured worker would think, okay? When you're injured and you go through the system of workers' comp, okay, you're taken off of work by your doctor because you can't work because you're treating and the doctor doesn't want you lifting heavy boxes because you've hurt your back. It's just going to make it worse and you're not going to ever recover, right? So the doctor says, hey, take six weeks off. I'm going to give you some treatment. Let's see if it works, right? For those six weeks, the injured worker does get paid. But for those that think that this is a cushy position to be in, it's not. They only get two-thirds of their pay. So everyone who lives paycheck by paycheck 
Well, guess what? Now you're getting less than your paycheck yeah. because of your injury, right? That's- so is that great? Is it great to be on workers' comp to get two-thirds of your paycheck? No, right? right? And so now you're going through the treatment and you may have lost some opportunities at work. Like maybe there was a position for promotion mm-hmm. and because you can't work, your doctors put you off, you can't go for that position. So is that great to be on the workers' compensation system? No. Right. Okay. Then you go through the list of doctors. You know, I don't want to say that they're all bad, but some of them are not so great. You know, is that, you know, glamorous to be on workers' comp? No. Then you have to take medication. That's not fun. And then when you're done treating, and I'm going to use back for an example, um, and you still have issues with your back, and now you're limited from carrying and lifting because you have two herniated discs, um, now you've got limitations. Right. That's not glamorous either. Mm-hmm. And now the employer can't take you back because you can't do the work. Right. So is that fun too? No. You know, so, um, you know, it's very sad that you're right, Stevie. There is a perception, you know, that workers comp is, you know, the way that a lot of people get out of working and they still get paid. Maybe there's a small percentage out there that will use the workers comp system to do that. But really, it is not a system that's going to make you whole. The only thing that workers comp will do is get you the treatment and try to get you back to work. And if you can't go back to work, well, then you're having some permanent disability issues because they can't take you back, right? And so now you're limited for the rest of your life with these permanent disabilities. Right. So we talked about workman's comp. Now, what about, how does um, the legislative aspect uh, play into it? Because uh, Deb touched on it a little bit in our first podcast that you guys are actually going to um, play a huge part in legislation. You want to explain that to us? Well, um, Deb has some visions to bring CRPS to the attention of, you know, many. Right now, this is the only way that we can bring recognition um, of how debilitating CRPS is. And we want to get the word out there. And that's why Deb had started the CRPS Warriors Foundation. We're, um, we're trying to make sure that doctors understand that CRPS is a diagnosis. I know that in the workers' compensation field, there actually is a specific rating for CRPS, and it wasn't around a long time ago. Okay, so, you know, we are slowly making those types of changes in recognition. But um, really, any sort of legislative um, action or proposal would just involve awareness. Okay, we need to get the awareness out there and recognize this is a debilitating condition. This is not just a cut on a finger and you sew it up and it gets better. Okay, even um, in the social security disability world, you know, you've got doctors that work under that system. And they're refusing to recognize CRPS as well. So it has to go into these, you know, various systems, accepted conditions, right? We accept cancer. We accept AIDS. AIDS Mm -hmm. came on not long ago, right? And no one knew what that is. But if you're diagnosed with AIDS, you know, it used to be the, uh, you know, the death certificate that they would right for you. And it was just a matter of time, right? Right. So um, it's that kind of awareness that we want to get out and get the attention of certain legislators um, and then the recognition and then, you know, maybe attack certain, you know, areas of law or, um, you know, other types of, I don't know, you know, um, systems where they need to understand that CRPS should be as well recognized as, you know, having a hernia, you know, and or having, 
uh, gastrointestinal, you know, reflux. I mean, something that's more, you know, mainstream. So now, um, when it comes to workman's comp, um, what kind of work has CRPS Warriors Foundation put into trying to change the workman's comp system? Um, Deb touched on it a little bit in the first episode that she was trying to um, do that kind of work. So um, where are you guys in that aspect? Are you able to explain a little bit further? Um, And that's what we were talking about earlier where, you know, we just need to make sure that doctors are more aware and, you know, and that CRPS isn't a uh, condition where it gets just denied, you know, routinely. It's like a rubber stamp denial. Um, And when the workers' comp doctors are diagnosing CRPS, it shouldn't just be a rubber stamp denial. Um, And what Deb and I have done in her case is, you know, get to the doctors that understand what that condition is and get to those doctors who are willing to request the type of treatment that she needs or any other patient needs for CRPS. And then, you know, having those doctors then write the reports that, you know, really describe what she's suffering from and then, you know, get to a judge who can recognize that the condition is as debilitating as you know, any injured worker sees that it is and feels that it is. Um, so I'm not sure if I had addressed what your question was. Right. So right now it's still, in the, I guess, in the pre- preliminary stages, you know, we have to bring awareness to it first in order to get to that stage in legislation. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. 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 That's exactly it. That's exactly yeah. it. And, um, you- and, it, and it takes time. You mm-hmm. know, I'll give you a good example. Um, I was involved in the um, representation of many injured workers in the San Bernardino shooting cases. Mm. Um, I'm sure you re- remember that where yeah. one of the coworkers had left um, during their break at a meeting, it was a mandatory meeting, and he came back and shot up all of his coworkers. Yes. Um, he missed some of them you know, gratefully, and then some of them unfortunately died. And those people, those injured workers had to go through such red tape to get treatment. It it was insane. And um, Eloise Reyes at that time was an assemblywoman. She was just getting sworn in. Maybe she hadn't even been sworn in. She had just been elected as uh, an assemblywoman representing that area and that district. And she recognized how slowly it takes to get authorized for treatment in the workers' compensation case um, that she promoted legislation to have an exception. It's like a carve out for victims of terrorist attacks in the workplace. And that's the kind of legislation that um, we are envisioning at CRPS. Um, Of course, you know, it wouldn't come from us. It would come from legislators. And, you know, the first step, though, is awareness. And that's what happened in the San Bernardino cases. There was awareness. There was a, oh, my gosh, these people are victims. They truly are victims. Why? Are they getting denied psychological treatment? Why are they getting denied psychotropic medication? It shouldn't be like that. We all watched it on the news. You know, everyone across the nation watched this story on the news. So why would these people get denied medication and psychological treatment? Is there a question that they suffered? a psychological injury when they got shot at or they watch their friends get shot and Mm. lying in a pool of their blood next to them? Is that a question? Right. So, you know, it's, it's almost like you you have to get hit with the obvious stick, you know, for any sort of change to happen. And that was the obvious stick for, you know, the changes in, 
you know, immediate treatment for victims of um, workplace terrorism. And, you know, um, Ms. Reyes was the um, drafter and she had a lot of support on that legislation. And of course it got chopped up. <laughs> All the different, you know, uh, subparts and, you know, other, you know, language was um, vetted and, you know, it was um, removed, but she did eventually end up with some legislation supporting treatment for victims of terrorist attacks in the workplace. Yeah, that is amazing to hear, you know, that such, when something so tragic happens to a large group of people, I know, and I told this to Deb too in our first episode, when something tragic happens, I always believe that there's something better that's going to come out of it later on, hopefully. And that's exactly what happened. So, you know, of course, it was so sad that people died out of that tragic, tragic situation. But then now it comes a better thing to change other people's lives for the better, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know this um, answer, but how many people out there in the U.S. Uh, have been diagnosed with CRPS? How prominent of the of a condition is this, you know, as opposed to like AIDS and cancer, you know, things like that? So I don't know the statistics. Um, I know it is recognized internationally. And in fact, there are other countries that have more um, apt active types of treatment for someone who's diagnosed with CRPS, as opposed to the um, diagnoses to rule out other, you know, other reasons for that pain. So um, I think that in Italy, you know, you get the CRPS diagnosis, you get treatment right away. Um, but as far as the number of people, I have heard in the millions that wow. have been diagnosed with CRPS. So is that enough? For awareness and recognition, I don't know. I don't know. You know, that's why um, this CRPS Warriors Foundation, so we have to go back to that, um, really needs a lot of support. And that is support in, you know, donations and sponsorship, but support with legal and, and medical um, and other types of resources so that you know, we can have more of that recognition internationally, right? Maybe there are people out there that have it and their doctors haven't diagnosed them with it, right? Because they might have one of these doctors that refuses to recognize that they've got the signs and symptoms of CRPS. So, you know, we need to have more of that recognition because I will bet you that whatever the number is, it's probably twice as high. Right. Because there are people that may not know of CRPS and it, they don't even know themselves that they have CRPS and their doctors aren't telling them they have CRPS. So, you know, they're not going to be one of the ones that are counted, you know, as having CRPS, but they probably do. Yeah. You know, um, we did an event um, for the CRPS Warriors Foundation and, you know, it's really just we're out there to get some recognition and awareness for um, the condition. And um, one, uh, one of the ladies who attended the event came up to us and she goes, now what is CRPS? So, you know, I was telling her about it and um, she starts, you know, just getting teared up. And she says, I think that's what my sister has. Oh. And so she starts to tell me about her sister and she says, and the doctors don't know what's going on with her and how she has this pain. And I said, yeah, you might want to, you know, see if she can ask her doctors if she has CRPS. That's what I'm saying. This is the type of awareness that we need to get out there. Okay. This is, you know, what legislators need to hear. They need to hear from their constituents that they have a condition, they, that they're going through either their private doctors, the workers' comp system, whatever it is. And they're, they're, the diagnosis of CRPS is coming so late 
that it's already spread. It's spread to the mirroring limb or, you know, to other extremities to, you know, throughout the body, whatever it is. But, you know, it's just the first step is really just getting the awareness, awareness out to the public, awareness out to our doctors, awareness out to our legislators, you know, and CRPS Warriors Foundation is so great because we're out there doing this work, not for us, no one gets paid, we're 100% volunteers, but for those that have the condition and they need help. Right. You know, um, when Deb was telling me in our last, uh, our first episode, she told me that in uh, part of bringing the awareness to uh, culture and to the society out there is that they actually have um, national or maybe it's international um, CRPS um, Awareness Day, right? That's a day in November. Yeah. If you recall. Yeah. And she told me that everyone can wear the color orange to bring awareness to that. You want to tell us how that came? Yes. Yes. So um, I don't know who it was that was able to get that day recognized, but there is a CRPS day in November. And what we did as an organization is that, you know, we wore orange and we, you know, posted it on our social media and, you know, wanted everyone else to, you know, wear orange for supporting CRPS. And again, you know, it's just these little steps that we can take to get more of that awareness out there. I don't think it's an international day. I think it is a national day uh, where, oh goodness, you got me, Phoebe. I think it's uh, November 8th or 7th. Um, It's one of the days. And uh, last November, we all uh, wore orange and posted, you know, a short blurb on our social media. Um, for CRPS Warriors Foundation and supporting those that have CRPS. Yeah, you know, when um, Deb told me that, I was so proud to hear that, even though we're so new in the game in supporting CRPS, being a volunteer and being a a proud partner, but it made me so proud already to know that uh, CRPS Warriors Foundation has made it so far. And, you know, so if it's only national, then the next step would be international because, as you said, People in Italy, people all over the world have CRPS, but we need to have that awareness. And we're happy that we can bring that awareness, just playing a little part, you know, doing this podcast. We're so happy that we can contribute to that awareness. Yeah, well, and I thank you for, you know, um, giving us the opportunity to talk to your listeners about this condition, about the frustrations that we have, you know, in the various um, you know, fields, whether it's medical or legal, um, and, you know, or social uh, security disability. So, you know, everyone who has CRPS is already struggling, okay? It, it is a condition that is, again, I use the word debilitating. I keep, you know, repeating that, but it is, you know, horrible. Um, you know, er- there's pain in what you do. It's, there's pain if you eat too much. There's pain if you don't eat. There's pain if you go to the bathroom and you're trying to walk to the bathroom. You know, there's pain putting on your clothes. So, you know, there, it's already um, a, a, a physically debilitating condition. But then the frustration comes when someone who has CRPS has to also go through one of these other systems like a workers' comp system or, you know, a civil litigation um, system or through the medical system of trying to get authorized for treatment. And that treatment is not cheap, you know, so then it's the financial hurdles as well. And CRPS Warriors Foundation, we're trying to raise money and support for anyone who has CRPS, anyone who has one of these pain conditions, and they just need help. Um, you know, our greatest story is getting somebody a new wheelchair. I know Deb had talked about that, where someone yes. stole this poor guy's wheelchair. First of all, anyone out there, please don't steal walkers, <laughs> wheelchairs, and, you know, crutches. Are you kidding me? No. There's going to be like, you know, a, a separate space in hell for those types of people. But, um, you know, so we raised money 
to buy this guy a new wheelchair. Okay, it, there are people that can't get transportation to treatment because they can't drive and their spouse, you know, or significant other has to work to help support the family now that, you know, that person can't work, right? So they can't get to their doctor's appointments. So we help with that. Um, there are certain programs that, you know, depending on which stage, you know, how far along your CRPS is, there are certain programs that can help maybe put the condition in a moderate type of remission um, where the pain is not so severe. But those programs are expensive. Right. Um, and so the money that we raise will help get certain patients to those programs. Um, you know, get them the transportation maybe to those programs and they can pay for the programs themselves. Um, and, you know, what I'm really proud of uh, with our organization is, you know, that Deb um, and, you know, all of our volunteers have been able to find resources for those who have CRPS. So, you know, I'm the legal resource. I, you know, I'm hoping that other colleagues of mine will join me in, you know, being a legal resource, but we have a lot of medical resources you know, that are members of our CRPS Warriors Foundation. And, you know, these medical resources are great. It's not just, you know, getting that patient medication. It's, you know, getting them the treatment, getting to, to a different type of program, a pain management program, maybe doing types of therapy to help, you know, control it with the brain as well. So, you know, we do have a lot of resources and we encourage those that have CRPS to become members of the CRPS Warriors Foundation. It's free. You just become a member and you can access, um, you know, all of the resources and tap into all the great things that the organization offers. Yes. And talking about that, um, if anyone is listening, you can go to their website, crpswarriorsfoundation.org and the corporate office is now moved to Las Vegas, Nevada from what I hear. Deb told me this was just recently. So you can email them if you want any information. Their email is info at crpswarriorsfoundation.org and you can also find them on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube under CRPS Warriors Foundation. And Geraldine, I'm so happy that you were able to join us today and um, stay tuned for next, uh, the next episode podcast in the CRPS Warriors Foundation series. It's going to be airing Saturday, April 8th, 2023, which will feature Dr. Peter Bergman. And Geraldine, I'm so happy that we were able to chat. You've given us so much information and um, it, it, this is so good to hear and people need to be aware about CRPS and what good CRPS Warriors Foundation does. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Phoebe. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to spread the word. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mike and Phoebe show on Alternative Twist Radio. If you missed any past episodes, just search the Mike and Phoebe show or Alternative Twist Radio on any major podcast app. 